Live from New York, it's Ask an Engineer. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Ask an Engineer. It's me, Lady Ada, the engineer. With me, Mr. Lady Ada, we've got a jam-packed show. Next hour or so is going to be all about the new products, videos, tutorials, guides, updates, and more from the world of making and electronics and hacking and being creative and being a positive force for good in the world. Speaking of which, uh, let's kick it off and yeah, got lots going on. Oh, tell them what's on tonight's show, Mr. Lady Ada. On uh, tonight's show, the code is side power 10% off native restore all the way up till 59 p.m. Eastern time. Use it and you also get free stuff. We'll talk about that in just a few moments. We do a bunch of live shows. We just did show and tell. This is kind of awesome show and tell. We'll go over a couple of these, but you should watch it. Anywhere where we post our videos, it's there right now, the second. Lots of people in the world showing sharing something they make. Turns out everyone makes something. And there's a place to share it every single week. Uh, we'll go over what we did on Descalated, including a great search. We got a clip from JP's product pick of the week. We have some excellent, amazing interviews and footage from Maker Fair Mare Island from Aaron. We'll show those. Um, some New York City factory footage, some great 3D projects, and more, including one with Prop Maker. We got Ion MPI brought to you by DigiKey. This week it's from Ryan fans we got top secret we got some new products we'll answer your questions we do that on discord adafruit.it slash discord or discord.gg forward slash adafruit that's where we do questions you can ask them throughout the show but you can also hang out anytime 24 7. all that and more on you guessed it ask an engineer Woohoo. okay so don't forget Code site power. Um, we got a bunch of free stuff. What are the Lady Ada? Okay. Yes. When you order from adafruit.com, you get free, 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 free things. $99 or more, you'll get this beautiful PCB coaster with gold inlay logo and it comes with like four little bumpers. Put your drink on it, protect your desk. $149 or more, you'll get a KB2040 and Pro Micro Pinout Compatible RP2040 Dev Board with USB C, NeoPixels, uh, a powerful RP2040 chip. Um, flash memory, STEMI QT port, and more. Great beginner micro. $199 or more, we still got that free UPS ground shipping. It's trackable, it's reliable, it's brown, it's UPS, it's cool. And $299 or more, we're still doing our collaborative free giveaway. Thanks to DigiKey and NXP for sponsoring this giveaway. Um, $299 or more, you'll get a free Metro M7. It's the fastest, I think it's the fastest Arduino-shaped board like we make or anyone makes 500 megahertz cortex m7 processor um runs circuit python like a breeze it has arduino shapes you can use shields with it stemic qt port micro sd usb c um swd bug it's also a great uh imx rt 1011 development board if you don't even if you're not using circuit python you want to use nxp espresso uh this chip is pretty sweet okay uh, we do a bunch of live shows every single week. We were back this week with Show and Tell. Um, if you haven't, please check out Show and Tell. Um, it goes live 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time every single Wednesday. If you're a time traveler, you know exactly where we are. Um, you can stop by if you want anytime because you're a time traveler. Um, on Show and Tell, we had Melissa. Melissa showed off some neat stuff with screens that we're doing with CircuitPython, all sorts of different permutations of screens. Scott um, talked about some of the Scilab stuff that he's working on. Um, CircuitPython has been ported to another chip, which is good. Yay. Um, JP showed uh, kind of the future of LEGO, I think. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. If you want to see what LEGO is probably going to do in the future, check out some of JP's projects. Yeah, from, LEDs, from, sensors. Yeah, color synth. We're going to show a little bit of uh, that later on in the show. 
and um, some really neat like tiny lighting to make your own little um, imaginary world. Well, there's like little kits for holidays, so it's like perfect timing. Yeah. Uh, Pedro showed the prop maker. Um, there's a cool uh, Five Nights with Freddy. Uh, Game prop. video. Yeah, that's that uh, you can check out. Uh, no, he showed a really neat Hound 9000 project. We converted that over to CircuitPython, so it's really easy to do and use and make. Uh, Seth came by, which I think um, I think show and tell is like it's definitely like the best way to predict the future um, is to build it. Um, if you want to see what's going to happen in the future, you can just probably tune into some of these um, uh, maker shows. Uh, says built a cool little game player that a kid can use something like MS Paint, make graphics, drag them on, and now you've got something that can play a video game. Um, featured in the newsletter this week. Uh, Zach debuted. I think this is, do people debut algorithms live on video? They do now. They do on show and tell. Um, this is really neat. This was for fast LED for dot star. So it yeah, does. new uh, using the extra five bits of brightness, which we don't use. Um, but he's worked really on cool. it to uh, add basically built in uh, low to high gamma correction. So like, especially for very low brightness um, LEDs, uh, you're going to get better dynamic range. So um, really neat to see some uh, things debuted on our show and tell, because then this will probably get merged in. Then people will make projects with it. And then we'll see the projects on show and tell. And then we'll feature them. And then, and then, yeah, and that's how we find a lot of people um, that we work with, too. Um, they use the projects, the code, and then we're like, hey, you should maybe do some projects for us, too. Uh, and then Joey stopped by and uh, showed off this really neat art project that is uh, subways, the A-line, that are going through a subway serpent. And it uses a bunch of Adafruit stuff. So that was kind of cool to be able to check that out. Um, every week, 7.30 PM, come on by. Show and share some stuff. We just did that. We also do from Disc Lady Ada. We do that every Sunday. It's in two parts. Lady Ada, what did you show off part one? Okay. A week. Part one, well, we got a Raspberry Pi 5. Um, we're not in the beta program, but we did get one uh, fake photos to verify our stuff works. Uh, so I tried it out. Um, I actually, it turns out like after I did the video, because I, you know, I don't know that much about Python environments, um, uh, Scott from the CircuitPython team was like, hey, or maybe. Maybe it was Liz. I don't remember who it was, but somebody was like, oh, by the way, there's an easier way of doing what you did. Um, so I was a little bit like, oh, no, you have to like change your path. But it turns out um, you can have the environment automatically, uh, the Python environment automatically update your path. But um, yeah, the biggest thing is is this is, is uh, well, there's a new uh, RP1 Southbridge chip. So we have to add support for that in Blinka and for doing hardware projects. It's definitely faster. Physically, it changed. The POE character changed. I can't do like a, a an overview of, um, you know, I think a lot of people did like, oh, it's faster. I talk about all the hardware interfaces and, and what people who are making hardware to interface with the Raspberry Pis might want to keep in mind. So check out that video. Okay. And then the other thing we do is from Desk of Lady Ada, where Lady Ada is a power of engineer and help you. Yes, you find things on digikey.com. What was digikey.com they search for this week okay so this week um because i had that pi 5 i wanted to find the connector that would allow me to um interface with the hardware uart port on the pi 5 because i think like that could be very useful for debugging and even though i kind of had a good hint of like what the connector was it was probably gonna be the same as the pico probe connector which is a jstsh i thought i'd show literally how you would go about 
Because a common question, there's a connector. How do I find out what the connector is so I can find the matching cable? I go through step-by-step -step how using just a pair of calipers and the DigiKey search, you can figure out what a connector is and then how to find a connector a cable that plugs into it. Okay, and you can join us Sunday night. Um, it's Hacker O'Clock, so it can be as early as 8 and as late as 11, but we do Desk of Lady Ada. And it's whatever's on Lady Ada's desk, a snapshot of what's going on at Adafruit um, from the engineer's desk. And then we'll um, also do a little bit of a detour over to digikey.com to help you find the things. It's a lot easier now that stuff is in stock. I know. It used to be like, and let's find something. Yeah, before it was all substitution. Now it's like, here's something that's maybe new or just how to find, uh, how to sort through all the abundance that's out there. On Tuesdays, we do JP Product Pick of the Week. Here is this week's highlight. The Metro RP2040. You can run this in Arduino or in uh, CircuitPython. I'm reading an analog pin to uh, read this potentiometer here. I'm actually using PWM to adjust the brightness of this LED here. This was the uh, Zach Hoken Danger Shield. You can see this is just a sort of smorgasbord shield that has a bunch of different fun input and output to play around with and learn and switch this over to CircuitPython. Plug in my Metro RP2040 and you can see now I've got uh, some faders here. They've got LEDs in the, in the uh, fader stems. Adjusting a little buzzer pitch with these little faders that are on here. It is the Metro RP2040. Okay, and you can tune in JP's workshop tomorrow. And then Friday, deep dive with Scott. Scott's doing this week, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern. We got a special treat for everybody. Uh, Maker Faire is in two parts. It was previous weekend, 13th, 15th, and the 20th, 22nd. And we sent Aaron, real life mermaid, to make her reporter. <laughs> yeah, mermaid reporter. Um, yeah, it turns out that's the journalism needs. More mermaids. A mermaid you can trust. So um, we're going to play a few of these interviews. Uh, we have three of them lined up. We're going to play them one after the other. And uh, check out our blog website and more for some more stuff. This is just whatever Aaron thought was interesting going on at Maker Faire. Take She's it away. taste. Yeah, take it away, Aaron. All right. Hi, what's your name? Patrick Ball. Patrick, and tell me about your art piece here. So we wanted to build a piece that, that showed motion with audio and light and we wanted people to be in the middle of it. So we decided to build a field of flowers. We have, we originally built 160, there's 135 out here tonight. Uh, and waves of sound uh, and light. Right now we're playing a, a rainstorm. Uh, and the rainstorm and the wind and the frogs and the bird sounds will all move through the field so you get a sense of dynamic sound as the raindrops fall on top of the flowers. So that's right. the idea. Uh, they are just beautiful. Anything you can tell us about the tech that's driving them? Sure. Each flower has an ESP32 uh, along with a board that I designed to do uh, level shifting because you should never drive LEDs with 3.3 volts. No, you shouldn't. Um, and there's a little bit of audio processing on the board too so that we can do a, a digital analog converter. Uh, the flowers each have uh, an SD card with about 150 little tiny wave files that we can send out for audio effects. Uh, we're driving 111 WS2812s uh, at about uh, 270 frames per second. Uh, one of the cores of the ESP32 is totally dedicated to 
running the fast LED library uh, to drive the LED effects really as smoothly as we possibly can. That's fantastic. And I noticed you were controlling it from an iPad. And, yes. Uh, so they're yeah. all speaking Wi-Fi to a server uh, that's running some Python code to give us field level effects so we can move stuff across. The server knows where every flower is in space. And then we can use a little, uh, a little dashboard that we built for an iPad uh, to control them uh, so that we can make waves of sound and light move across from like a, as a DJ. All right, can you give us an example? Can you make a, a, some, sure. some here's lights a, here's and sounds move across? Sure, of red. Ooh. So we'll just pulse them all with red now. Oh my gosh. Okay, and then I can pulse them all with two. But we're in the middle of the rainstorm, so I don't want to do anything more intrusive than that. That sounds good. We wouldn't want to interrupt the rainstorm. Nope. Although uh, the birds are singing, so the birds sing at the end of the storm. All right. So and can... Do you have a URL where people can find out more about this? Campjoby.com. C-A-M-P-J-O-B-I.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And this is the most amazing thing you guys have got to see. And I am here with Soraya Cohen, and she is a fantastic LED couture fashion designer. Uh, she just managed a most amazing LED fashion show with a whole bunch of models. Uh, we're all kind of backstage here looking at all the uh, fantastic costumes. What's your favorite piece? Oh, my favorite piece is probably the first one I made. It's called Reflections, and it has... Um, an Arduino running some lights in a really fun pattern and also a Bluetooth feather from Adafruit that I can send um, words to. So it can scroll words across the front of the dress. That is very, very cool. So I wrote a book called Make It Wear It and it uses the Circuit Playground Express for some of the programming in it. Um, I think it's a really easy system for folks to learn and fun to play around with. So I really like clothes that don't just light up, but they're really interactive. And I made a piece last year called Conductive Melody that um, uses machine learning and a Raspberry Pi, and it has a whole sleeve of conductive fabric, and you can play it like a piano. Wow. And so I really like to kind of meld the like fun, elegant fashion with kind of cool sensors and lots of inputs. So that's kind of the thing I like to do. <laughs> that sounds like so much fun. Um, and uh, if we want to find out more about all your stuff, where do we go? Oh, you can find me online at Amp Atelier, that's A-M-P-E-D-A-T-E-L-I-E-R. And uh, we're a little bit on YouTube, but mostly on Instagram. All right, yay. Well, thank you so much, and uh, thank you so much for forwarding the, uh, the field of LED fashion, which we are all enamored with over here. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks a lot. And check this out. Oh my gosh. They're interactive, you guys. Can you tell me anything about this piece? Uh, this piece is called Serenity. And um, she has three large fireflies on a jar that were um, changed by an uh, explosion, a uh, radioactive explosion. And they're on, they were inside a bug. And the, bug, the inside a jar, and the jar exploded, and they sit on top. And then they also look after these little tiny bugs. So many bugs. So we're, uh, the Flaming Lotus Girls were a teaching organization, so we get people to come and build metalwork. We 
we introduce them to different skills and different techniques in the shop. So we start people off with these smaller fireflies so they get used to using the metal and then they graduate on to making the biggest sculpture. Ah, they are absolutely fabulous. I've seen some of your pieces at other events and you guys are just killing it. Thank it's, you. it's some of the best art out there, at least in the West Coast. Thank so, you, we appreciate so it. Yay, thank you so much. And where can we find out more? Uh, www.flaminglotus.com. Awesome, thank you. Uh, look at these things, you guys, amazing. All right, it's Python on hardware time. This week, Lady Ada, you're going to talk about big change that happened with the Raspberry Pi 5 bookworm. Yes. Um, this is kind of important for people to know. It's not as bad as we thought because there's something that happened. What happened? What happened is, um, you know, it's like the what joke. What did this worm do? This worm, it's always like the joke of like, no matter how many Python installs you have, like there's, you need like one more. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we finally got over like the default Debian Python being two seven for like decades and they finally moved to three. And I think part of when they, when they updated from two to three on the system Python, um, there was a side effect that people could install packages into like, you know, the root system install of Python and it could mess stuff up especially if the operating system is depending on that, you know, certain packaging versions to match what the distribution things are there. Um, and so basically as a bookworm, you can no longer pseudo pip install. <laughs> um, they took that away. So you can't uh, pip install or pseudo pip install into like the distribution Python um, library and site packages folder. Instead, you must use a Python environment. It's not a huge deal. Like most people will be able to just set up a Python environment in like the home slash pi folder um that's like the default user and then all the packages will be installed in their home directory not in you know the the root file system um but you know there are thousands of tutorials and like a decade worth of raspberry pi um, python projects that people and, are and printed books and books <laughs> that i mean once you set up the environment it's not a big deal but you know people need to know that they have to do that so it's going to be you know the reason I, I bring this up is i'm you know, we're, we're going to write documentation on the Adafruit site and we're going to try to update as many guys as we can. But, you know, what everyone in the community can do is help beginners because a lot of people are going to bump into, they're going to try running um, any existing project and they'll do a pip install and they're going to get hit with this error message. The error message does tell you what to do, but I think it's it's going to be um, a bit of like a learning Is there curve. a good reason for this? Yeah, I mean, it's... it's, it's <sighs> It's one of those, like, it's a good idea, but, like, boy, it would have been awesome. <laughs> was there was a good reason for this? Ten years ago. Well, I, I think that, you know, it, it is an issue when the operating system uses a tool, Python, that has packages and versions, and people are using it, and they can they can, they can mess up their operating system by installing or uninstalling packages that the operating system itself is, is depending on. So its operating system is using Python. Python. Yeah. You don't want people mucking around with like oh let me just pip install any anything oh, you uninstall or you like you know it's, it's it's really easy to mess things up and so they're like look you know we're not gonna let people we're basically not gonna let people do that anymore 
I mean, you could force it, but like, I wouldn't, I really wouldn't. Is this related to any security things across all Linux that they're trying to like lock down on it? It's a security thing. I think it's a like, please don't destroy your operating system by, don't use your tools to destroy your tools. And now you have no tools okay. sort of situation. All right. So that's your, we can refer to this if people ask. And there's also, you know, blog posts on, on a uh, Raspberry Pi. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is like, you know, like Arduino, for example, like the IDE uses Python inside. They just install their own version of Python. And they oh. kind of, you know. Here's a question since we've been doing some stuff with ChatGPT. Can ChatGPT help rework any of the updates? Like wherever it's, there is. So that, yeah, that's not the issue. It's it's like the, the, the text to paste is the same, which is like before you start, make sure you have an environment. You, you know, like there's going to be this boilerplate. The problem is we have like thousands of guides. And so there is no easy. It's it's not the writing of the text. It's yeah. the actual going in and and you have to put it into the editor. Um, and and like I said, it's not just us. It's like yeah. there's there's a I decade's wonder, worth. I wonder if we do these updates, we'll we'll pull out that little piece and have that have that as like we we have you know, components inside of a guide. So in case this changes yeah. ever again. Yeah, we we did talk about that. We didn't. It's a little yeah. Like we had discussed like oh we could have like sub components, but I was like yeah. you know this is. I have a little bit of a policy of like, I try to keep projects from becoming Turing complete, reading email or becoming web browsers in and of yeah. themselves. And so this was getting closer to, oh no, this is now a computationally complete uh, editor for tutorials. Yeah. So instead we have pages that are mirrored. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, we, we might be able to do some with that. It It's... Um, it's not the actual code, it's just the instructions. It's just the instructions. The code itself is the same, okay. but how you actually install the packages, basically you just can't do pseudo. PIP and pseudo-Python, which unfortunately we've been using uh, with a blog. I have a feeling every form of package management and apps is going to change on planet Earth because from app stores to yeah. um, malicious packages, like that's a threat vector now. Yeah. Um, probably everything's going to be a little different. Something like they really don't want you to pseudo-install or no. pseudo-Python. And, so, and also, you know, as a side effect, not a side effect, as a, a separate effect of the Pi 5 because there's now the Southbridge. Um, GPIO zero needs to be updated, or uh, sorry, rpi.gpio library has to be updated, and maybe even GPIO zero. So there's gonna be a, there's gonna be a little bit of like a mushiness as the Pi five, and bookworm sort of uh, gets out there and um, affects how we do Python and hardware. But you know, it, again, it's uh, it's all possible. It's just a matter of documentation. Okay, um, good problems to have. Just more people using Python. Yeah. That's um, so. Check out the rest of the newsletter. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a handheld circuit Python computer. There's a neat guide about how not to build custom RP2040 board. That's it's good, also good a lot of fun. Um, Raspberry Pi Pico with circuit Python. Here's a primer. This is from the Jordanbot workshop. You can check out some of the reviews and more about the Raspberry Pi 5. We'll be talking about that later this week. And you can see all the projects we also talked about. Um, some of these neat little designs and projects. This is the keyboard. Key, keyboard. This is what was on show and tell. Um, so stop on by, get the newsletter. It is available every single week delivered to your mailbox. It's on adafruitdaily.com. We do not spam you. We don't even have analytics. We're, take, we're, we're in a process of removing a lot of the Google goo on our websites because we don't do anything with your information at all. So why even track it in any way at all? So um, if you want a newsletter that's never going to bother you, that's adafruitdaily.com. It's a completely separate site. Okay, we have some open source hardware that we publish, and we have open source code, and we have guides. Mm -hmm. Thousands of guides this week on the big board, Lady yeah. Ada. 
Uh, we have an update to the Qualia guide, uh, as we talked about in show and tell. Melissa has added touch support. We'll also be updating this guide a whole bunch as more displays coming out. Uh, Tyeth, who is helping out with Whippersnapper, also wrote a guide. Um, this is a Whippersnapper project that lets you make an air horn that can be remotely controlled over the internet. Um, it's very loud. This is by request uh, by uh, a friend of ours who um, writes books and has an editor, and he wants to get his editor's attention across the country uh, to check his email and respond to his email. Uh, I could use this for some of our lawyers as well. That could be kind of nice. Or like, you know what I mean? Like, hey, reply to that email I sent you a couple yeah, weeks ago. Sometimes we have questions about stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then response. And did the uh, another uh, circuit board project. She's been slowly building up skills. Uh, this one uses capacitive touch chips. No microcontroller, but capacitive touch chips yeah. to make an L-carve panel um, alike that you can touch. You see the, the LEDs light up. Very futuristic. Yeah, this is cool. Very cyber. Uh, let's see, what else do we got? You got uh, JP did the Brick Tunes. This is a, a inspired by Jay Silver's Media Lab project, which um, would play songs based yeah. on a color sense. We'll show a video then in a couple seconds. And then, oh, can you scroll up? And then uh, we got a project from Noam Pedro this week, the Faz Wrench. Uh, Pedro's kiddo is a real big fan of Five Nights at Freddy's. There's a movie coming out and he wanted a prop and it actually like works. You know what I mean? Like the, the buttons and the LEDs and the display show stuff. Um, and then Liz also did a guide on the 805693 6-bit DAC. So you can use it in Arduino or CircuitPython. Um, and then we had also a bunch of updated guides for um, Adafruit IO. So that's yeah. something Brent's been going through and re- we scrubbing them, redoing them to support uh, new layout, the new look and feel, and whippersnapper. And here's that Lego color synth video. And don't forget the code is SidePower. You get all these free things in addition to saving 10% off. Free, free, yeah. Free. Let's do some factory footage. That was absolutely not factory footage. <laughs> Where is my factory footage? Where did it go? Is it, the, is it the two minute over there? Where did the factory footage go? Oh, I found it. Never mind. We edit these later. So, ready, team? <laughs> Here we go. It's factory footage time.
And that really was factory footage. Okay, let's do some 3D printing this time. Here's a project we talked about before and a speed up right after we'll play these back to back. You can build a prop replica of the Faz Wrench from Five Nights at Freddy's Security Breach Ruined. We designed and 3D printed this prop to use the RP2040 Prop Maker Feather and CircuitPython. It's got a working LCD with buttons, LEDs, rotary encoder, and a speaker for sound effects. The code is written in CircuitPython to emulate the Faz Wrench's features from the game. You can press the red button to display deactivated nodes on screen. The green button displays unlocked doors and random characters fill the screen while the rotary encoder adjusts the volume. You can tilt the device to trigger different sound effects as if charging conduits in the game. A special sound effect plays whenever the door is unlocked. We think these features give it a bit more depth than your typical prop project. The RP2040 Prop Maker Feather is packed with features for making advanced props in CircuitPython or Arduino. The Adafruit LCD Backpack features Stemma QT, making it easy to plug and play with any compatible feather. Armed with the Faz Wrench, you can help find Gregory and escape the ruins of Freddy Fazbear's Mega Pixaplex. CircuitPython makes writing code for props with buttons, LEDs, and sound effects easy for folks who are just getting started. You can use the REPL in the Moo Editor to debug your code, making development much faster. The demo code can be adapted and customized to fit any number of props with similar features. You can get the parts to build this project, links are in the description. The enclosure and mounts are designed to be 3D printed without any supports. 3D printed diffusers and decals snap fit onto the top cover. A separate plate isolates the NeoPixel LEDs so they shine through the diffusers. The LCD backpack is set up with socket headers for a modular PCB setup. JST cables are wired up to the LED buttons and get panel mounted to the top cover. The Stemma QT rotary encoder is mounted on its side along with a 3D printed thumb wheel for easy scrolling. The various components are fitted in separate mounts that are secured to the enclosure. Machine screws secure the top cover to the main enclosure. With a few changes, we think this could be adapted for solving escape rooms or other functional devices. We had a lot of fun building this and hope it inspires you to check out the Prop Maker Feather and CircuitPython. A fast wrench. It's just like my dad's. Time for I am Guy.
I on MPI brought to you by DigiKey. Thank you, DigiKey. This week's it's Orion fans. Yes, although it's not a fan. I mean, I'm a fan of this. Yeah. Uh, and you can see I've got my MIT shirt on because this is an MIT themed INMPI. All right, let's kick it. So this is the ML 2010. And this is a mini lab kit um, available from Orion Labs. And it's kind of interesting because they do make fans. And then like all of a sudden they made this like lab suitcase. What is this thing up? Uh, what is yeah, up what with is this, this thing? Okay. So this is kind of an all-in-one like prototyping power supply. It's particularly good at analog circuitry prototyping and development. It's basically got like a full test lab inside of it, plus this gigantic breadboard, um, prototyping area, and more. And it comes in like a suitcase that you can pick up, move around, plug in, um, whatever you want to work on your project, and then you can close it up to safely put stuff away. Um, so the reason I was like when I saw this, I was like, oh, this is so cool, is because it reminded me of at MIT, when you do the digital or analog lab classes, you have a thing called a nerd kit. And that's what the nerd kit looks like. It's also a suitcase, although it's more breadboardy stuff. And you see like there's um, some power supply stuff at the top. You have a built-in power supply. I don't think they had built-in um, sweep generator or like, you know, function analyzer or any of that stuff the way the ML2010 does. Um, but it was something that you would use to design your analog or digital um, circuits. So for example, here's a 6111 digital lab. Uh, you'd see that the, the the kits would become very, very complicated very quickly with lots of wires. But what the really nice thing was that, you know, when you came to lab, you'd work on your project, you'd open up the suitcase, you'd plug in all the um, wires and chips and get all that working and use the oscilloscope on the bench. And then when you were done, you would uh, close it up and put it back into your um, uh locker that you'd have and then you know the, the locker would have a combo lock on it so you know there was this joke after everyone would finish their lab classes that they're like oh man i wish i could keep the nerd kit and you couldn't buy them they were only available while you took the class and nobody even came up with the idea of like maybe not returning it like we didn't even want to know what would befall us if we didn't return the kit like you had to give it back and you know, there's been other similar like trainer kits, like Heathkit has um, this trainer kit that has, I think, a, a built-in um, a function generator, built-in power supply, and a little breadboarding area. Um, but of course, these are not made anymore either. Uh, these are from Heathkit, although uh, there's some really cool documentation about this. And also, these mini labs are kind of um, similar to also to the you know Radio Shack, you know, 150 in one, where you would have um, you know, this workspace. And then in this case, it doesn't use a breadboard, it uses these little spring contacts that you would uh, connect wires to and it would let you sort of prototype uh, your basic project. So think of this, the ML2010 is sort of a combo. It has way more capabilities than the original nerd kit, it has not just a power supply, also function and sweep generators, um, and also like switches and buttons and speakers, uh, stuff that the nerd kit didn't have, but is kind of borrowed from this 150-in-1 style electronic kit from uh, Tandy. Um, so this is what the ML2010 looks like from above. So massive prototyping area, um, and you can see all the knobs and little mini breadboarding areas. So the idea is that you can actually, with just wires, uh, connect to the, the, the different interface elements in this kit. Um, and, you know, you can always solder to the prototyping area on the right if you like, but you can get going very quickly with uh, just bread, uh, solderless breadboarding prototyping style. 
So this is all the labeled components. We'll go through them. Um, but you see there's uh, inputs, outputs, um, like I said, power supply function generator, and also some like D sub connectors, perf board area, um, and a fused uh, on off switch on the top right. Uh, so on the top left, uh, sweep ramp generator. So this is really good for analyzing analog circuits and filters. Um, uh, you can have different waveforms. Uh, it looks like triangle, square, sine. Um, I don't have off the top of my head the uh, frequencies, but you know you can tell it's like from one hertz up to one megahertz at least, uh, and then two pots for uh, changing. Sorry, three pots for changing the DC offset, the amplitude, um, and uh, frequency within the decade counter range, like one to ten, ten to one hundred, one k to ten k. Um, there's also uh, the clock out from the function generator that you can go into your oscilloscope if you want to synchronize to that. Pulse generator, also good for analog circuitry analysis. Um, you also have the LED indicators. You can just connect those up to your digital circuits. Two power supplies. Um, I really like this, both positive and negative, 18 volt adjustable, as well as fixed negative and positive 12 and fixed negative and positive five. And I think you get an amp out of each uh speaker and two generic analog pots you could use that for um input and output the speaker is actually on the right hand side bottom left you've got uh some d subs i think 25 pin and looks like nine pin as well as well as a b and c that you can use for your signal generator input or output um, and on the right, a bunch of switches. Some of them are the bottom set, the eight are digital logic switches. So those are gonna be like from zero to five volt, like logic high and low. And then there's also um, momentary and toggle switches that you can connect to different voltages. So you can like turn on or off or, or switch analog voltages. And then on the right, there is, that's a perf board. So that's solderable perf board. You can of course get, it's removable. Um, so you can solder on circuitry that needs uh, higher frequency, you don't want to use a solderless breadboard, or has like a weird shape, doesn't plug into a breadboard very nicely. And then uh, on the bottom, some more switches, and then, you know, the other side of the D-subs. Um, so if you connect cables for uh, passing data, or you want to use serial input or output, and then some more BNC jacks as well. Um, all the specs, you know, you can uh, check specifications in the app node data sheet, but basically, you know, you could use this with TTL logic, but it's going to be really good for people doing analog circuits, maybe um, some lower frequency RF audio, especially would be a good um, use case here. Um, filter design, um, trying to think what else, like, you know, transistor level logic. I mean, it's a little retro, but there's still people doing this kind of work. So the power supplies and the function generator, I think are, are a pretty sweet deal. Um, like I said, you know, you know, one amp from a variety of sources and it's all fused and goes through one power supply. So you don't need a separate power supply. Um, the pulse generator and sweep ramp generator as well. Um, looks like, you know, they go up to like 3.3 volts and the uh, TTL logic um, I think can go up to like one megahertz or so. And then uh, speaker potentiometers, indicators, switches, LEDs. It's just kind of nice. You know, it's you have maybe your chips and your op amps and your resistors and capacitors on the working breadboard area. And then, you know, you don't have to worry about having a potentiometer dangling off with some wires. Uh, you just connect to um, the little breadboard on the mini kit and um, 
you've got your multiple potentiometers, multiple switches, and LEDs and speaker. Real build Digi. It is in stock. Yes. Not inexpensive, but I think this would be really good for schools, labs, companies, especially when you have somebody who's working on a project and they want to be able to put it away safely, bring it back out. It's meant to last for a very long time. So, you know, maybe not individual makers would, you know, want to throw down to get one of these nice lab kits, but I could definitely see if you have a prototyping lab in your school or office or company, um, having one of these will be really handy. Okay, dokie. Um, we're gonna do some new products for it. Don't forget side power. That's the code. Let's new products. Electronic friendship bracelet. <laughs> this is this is for like the Cyber Taylor Swift concert. Now this is a uh, three hundred millimeter long, about one foot long SWD cable. Handy for if you say want to debug your Metro M7 with a J-Link or any other SWD um, debugger. This is a, a 0.05 pitch, not 0.1 inch pitch connector. Uh, but like I said, very common for ARM Cortex chips. This is a very standardized uh, connector that you would then use to do step debugging or programming. Um, so our Metro boards tend to have them. Some feathers have them. You'll see this on almost every kind of dev board. Okay. Next up. Uh, next up, we have the Corvo 2 dev board from Espressif. We try to carry all their dev kits. I will say that this is the, a minimal version of a dev board. It is meant to support an LCD and camera, but it doesn't actually come with the LCD and camera. So just be aware of that. Like it comes as is. Uh, it has an ESP32-S3 on there, and it's designed to make it easy to interface with cameras, displays. It has two microphones on there. It has a um, input and output um, I2S amplifier and and microphone input. So good for like AV camera projects with the S3. Um, it, it sort of replaces an earlier Corvo uh, one board, which we actually really liked. We did a lot of our uh, initial ESP32 S3 development on it. Um, that got discontinued. Um, so there's this one. Has battery in, speaker out, couple buttons, um, you know, some capabilities, extra debug port with, um, sorry, USB serial port with a USB serial converter. So that's why there's two USB uh, ports on there, on off switch. I think, you know, good for developers with the S3 who want to especially use the camera and I2S peripheral cap uh, support. All right, the start of the show tonight, besides you, Lady Ada, our team, our customers, our community, everybody who makes this thing go called Adafruit is? Dun, 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 the INA228 power measurement breakout. Uh, I designed this actually in mid-2020 and uh, was unable to get chips until like last week. So now it's in stock. Uh, this is a really, really nice power monitor. Um, we've had the INA219, the INA260. This is kind of like the best of them all. It's a little bit more expensive, but it can do up to 85 volts common voltage, um, which is great. The other ones, I think, max out at like maybe 24 volts. It can do up to 85 volts. And it has a uh, 15 milliohm 1% 
um, current measurement resistor. That's that big resistor in the middle there, which means it can do up to 10 amps um, in one mode or up to 2.7 amps in like a different gain mode. There's, a, there's an internal gain of four. Um, positive or negative direction and low or high side measurement. And it's got a um, astonishing 20-bit ADC inside of there. So even if you're measuring up to 10 amps, you can still get sub-milliamp um, precision and accuracy. It's very nice, uh, you know, 20-bit current and voltage measurement device. Um, we've got Arduino library for it, CircuitPython library coming shortly. But basically, like, you want to have high dynamic range measurements. This is a chip that's going to do it because the other measurement chips like the INA 260 and 219, I think they max out at like 12 or 16 bit resolution and that, that extra four bits does help. So I do have a live demo. Oh, my live demo still works. Yeah, so let's go to the, let's go to the overhead. Okay, so I've got here, let me be able to move this because it's a little, a little confusing. Um, I've got here two two feathers. One's being measured and one's the measure. So this is this is just the feather that's uh, connecting to the sensor itself. Uh, and then this is the sensor. So this is the uh, INA228. And the INA228 is wired, so it's between this battery, oops, this battery, and this feather board. So I'll try to get everything here. So this is a ESP32 feather being powered from this battery, and the battery is going through the current measurement. Hold on, live demo. Um, and then this is measuring it. So what this what this feather is doing is it's going through three different modes. It's going through not sleep mode where the LED is on, light sleep, and deep sleep. Because I wanted to show that it does, um, you know, just because it's got that 20 bit. ADC, it can measure, I mean, go up to 10 amps, but easily measures the 40 milliamps that is how much it does uh, use when it's in running mode. And then when it goes into light sleep mode, it goes down to like, you know, one or two milliamps. And then when it um, goes down to deep sleep, I will say it's not as precise because the deep sleep mode is about 15 microamps. So that's kind of when, you know, you might want to do some more averaging um, to verify the, uh, the current draw, um, or you might want to, I, I'll be honest, I didn't reduce the gain by four like I could, but it can go down to the microamp range. Uh, it won't be as precise as something designed specifically for microamp measurements, but given that you can go up to 10 amps on this, uh, that's a very wide range of, you know, three decades of current measurement. And the voltage measurement is also really great. Um, you can also get temperature from here and we'll also do power measurement for you. And we'll actually do the power or, uh, not just uh, instantaneous power, but Coulomb counting. And it will do the Coulomb counting for you, uh, continuously, and then give you like how much total, uh, how many total Coulombs you've used in power. So this is really, this is particularly good for low power and high power measurement and overall power usage, not just instantaneous voltage and current. And that is new products. Yay! Yeah. Um don't forget the code. Side power. Because low and high side And uh you know the free stuff too. Free stuff. So we're gonna do some top secret because we have a high five here. Yeah. And uh 
You can put your questions over Discord, Discord, discord.gg slash Adafruit. Um, we'll see if there's any questions that come in while we do this. Let's uh, do some talk. Yeah, secret. get some questions in. All right, Lady Ada, what did you want to show on Top Secret? Well, I thought, you know, this is a, a rare high five. It's here. Okay, so the only thing is we only have one. Yeah, we have one. Uh, so we're going to take photos of it. Yeah. Uh, we're also going to try to get Blinkit working on it. But um, pretty cool stuff. You know, uh, they did change the um, setup of how the Ethernet and USB jacks work. So the Ethernet's back down here like it was for the Pi 3. The PoE port changed. Uh, the camera and um display uh interface uh ports are now uh smaller they're point uh five millimeters not one millimeter pitch so you'll need those Raspberry Pi zero adapter cables uh you'll use those in order to connect um displays and cameras a uh, very beautiful layout for this power management that creates all these voltages required um an on off switch which is really neat press the button turn it on and off PCIe we chatted about that on the uh Desk Lady Ada last week. Uh, this chip with a nice built-in heat sinking um, metal top. So it'll be really good for heat dissipation. Uh, the cool new RP1 um, looks like it's got like a high-speed differential bridge um, to do the GPIO. It also handles, I think, uh, either like the USB hub or maybe the Ethernet Fi. I don't know. It does a bunch of stuff. Um, fan connector, UART connector, battery for the real-time clock built into this dialog chip. Um, this is really like a very pro, not that the other Raspberry Pi's weren't pro, but they really, it's just like, they're really polishing it up. You know, like they're really making, they, they feel like they really hit their stride and like, okay, this is a really nice single board computer. So, you know, it does, it, it does change a couple things like the POE connectors changed. Um, we're going to have to update our Blinka code to support this RP1 chip. But, you know, if it's at all like the RP2040, which spun out of it, it'll have, you know, PWM support. It's going to have multiple I2C and SPI and UART, um, NeoPixel. It'll be able to handle a lot of the um, stuff that's very challenging to do on a Raspberry Pi, like um, controlling motors and steppers, um, controlling fans, um, reading analog inputs, PWMing LEDs. Uh, so hopefully that'll all be possible now with this RP1. So it's very exciting, but a really beautiful design and uh, clearly optimized for cost, but also uh, tons of great new capability that I'm looking forward to. Okay. Let's stop here. We're going to do some questions and then we'll uh, get chatting on there. Mm. We're ready to questions. There we go. I got some lined up. Wee. Okay. Okay. Uh, first up, will Adafruit update the software for animated eyes bonnet to work with Raspberry Pi five? Should it be needed? Yes, but uh, boy, I do, that's it's low on the priority. We have to get like Blinka working. Um, there's a lot of stuff that a lot of people use. Um, so I think if you really want the animated eyes to work, uh, also we have some other ideas about yeah. how we want, might want to do it. Just use Pi four for now or Pi three. And for folks who watch things on YouTube, because uh, we are in the same world as y'all, YouTube just puts ads on everything now. So um, they also block ad blockers. They have an ad blocker blocker. Um, if you have YouTube Premium, they'll also say like you can't use ad blockers. So what can you do, and and what do we do? Well, you can also watch it on Twitch. You can watch it on. Twitter, which is now called X. You can watch it on LinkedIn. You can watch it on Facebook. You can watch it on 
Um, is there another one? You could use YouTube slash DL yeah. DL to download it and then watch the MP4. I'm yeah. really big. Um, so you can watch in all those places. The other thing that we're doing, and this is where we can use your help, is we're trying to de-Googleify Adafruit. So um, if we don't need to have a Google Analytics thing or a Google tracking thing or anything that Google has, uh, nothing against Google. We just, there's a reason they're in court for monopoly stuff. Um, we're trying to uh, have it so like, when you go to our website, you're not being tracked in any weird ways. Uh, they changed the way they did things. There's a big thing, GA4. And so we're basically not interested in it and we're opting out of everything. But if you have do not track turned on, Adafruit's one of the few sites that respects that, um, where we could use your help is Bicep once in a while. So you know how you go to a website and you browse, and then later on you get an email from them. They're like, you have you were looking around. We don't like that. We won't do that. Um, when you buy something from us, we only send the order confirmation and the shipping information. We never spam you. We don't sign you up for newsletters. We don't do any of that stuff. So in business world, they're like, you're leaving money on the table. You should be like, you know, and also do data sharing with other partners. So you know, we don't do any of that stuff because we think if we make the best products and we make them open source so the most people can contribute to them, build off them, they'll reward us as a company and a community and buy something once in a while. So that's what we do. Um, so with video, we're just going to keep publishing videos everywhere and wherever videos are um, streamable, from the streaming services that we use. Um, we use Restream, which puts it out to all the places. Um, we'll keep doing it that way. And we'll just put them in all the platforms. And we'll, as other platforms are able to stream to, where we can do one live video and it goes to all the places, we'll just keep doing that. And I think there should be a different or better way for video than always forcing people to look at ads, especially if they pay, um, like for YouTube uh, Premium. And it seems a little aggressive to then stop ad blockers and then have these weird tricks inside of your phone or your browser where it's like it's privacy mode, but it really isn't. Anyways, um, next up, I mentioned in show and tell the mini ESP32 Doom player you made last year. Any plans to revisit and bring it to the shop? Um, it's still on my list. I'm still getting through, as you can see, a lot of 2020 based um, hardware that was designed and then shelved because we couldn't get hardware. Mm -hmm. So we are. Um, it's there. It's not. It's not forgotten, but it's it's in a big pile. Okay. Next up, um, during your factory footage videos, uh, do you use any of uh, basically you use any electronics to monitor, uh, remote monitor the machinery? Well, we're right there, so we don't necessarily have to. We have experimented with. So we have our uh, work order system that's tied into you know our PLM and our I guess management system that we made ourselves. Um, so we can display what's going on. That's monitored. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's not but, the actual machine, but it's yeah. what the machine's doing. But we have done interesting things. Like we have air quality monitors that we started doing during COVID and we still have those. That to me, is like the, the stuff for humans. Um, we really like our air quality to be really good at Sign of Adafruit. So those are ones that are all, if you look really close, you can see those. And then we've done things like, oh, let's, um, let's know when the machines are running. You know, you have vibration sensors. We have lots of things. You can hook up anything Adafruit IO. Um, we might do something where we can tie it to um, a specific product. When we know something's being made, it'll um, publish on like a social media network. Like, oh, we're making these right now. They're warm in the oven. So we have some ideas, but um, those are some of the things that we've done so far. Um, Adabox updates, uh, mention this, I'll mention it every week. We will be shipping some Adaboxes this year in some way, shape or form. The ship shortage is sort of over. 
So we're going to turn on this big machine. We'll probably start very slow and we'll get Adaboxes out over a long period of time. And then we can ramp up to get an Adabox every quarter again. But it's happening. We'll probably, yeah, we'll probably do like a big, like, here's a bunch of videos about us relaunching Adabox. But there'll be Adaboxes this year. Please don't email us and ask where you are in line. There's a lot of stuff we got to do first, but we will get some out. And then uh, what do you do with your prototype PCBs that don't work? You know, a lot of them, first off, I don't make a lot of prototype PCBs. There's like only two per design. And so it's not like I have like thousands of them. Um, sometimes they get repurposed. Um, sometimes, you know, if I, if I wire them and make them work, um, by changing resistor values or, or cutting a trace or something, I'll still use them, which is why sometimes you'll see me doing demos. I'll have like a purple board or green board. It's like, oh, I just use it personally. Um, and then last question for the night. And thanks for the links to all the different video services. Here's the thing about some of those video services. Um, they have to ramp up really fast and they want to get everyone's content. And some of the content isn't moderated. And like, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's like, really nutty things and then it starts to turn into the recommendations after our videos and it's like stuff that like youtube's bad enough with some things you'll be you'll be watching stuff and then all of a sudden it's in like flat earth land um but anyways um so i'll check out some of those and if there's ones that we can stream to like we're doing with this um we'll just start doing it next up and last question does Adafruit have a flexible oled or tft rgb display looking for something inside a helmet visor and flexible e-ink won't work at night yeah we don't have any flexible oleds we once got a sample but it wasn't very good um i've seen flexible oled displays but they're quite pricey so you can get some that have like um hdmi input but they're they're in the like a close to a thousand dollars a piece they're they're very um not low cost um but as soon as the prices come down and like I, you know they get closer to maker uh, level pricing will definitely stock them. Oh, and like one other follow-up. So when we start doing Adabox again, there's going to be a bunch of people that are like, oh, you know, during the chip shortage, I decided like I'm not going to do electronics anymore. Or like I moved or credit card thing, blah, blah, blah. There's going to be people exiting Adabox because we have all full slots. We have thousands and thousands of people that get Adabox. And some of them are going to say, I don't want to get an Adabox. So that means there's an opening. So we have a lot of people who are signed up for getting Adabox. So that'll allow people to come in that we couldn't support before. And then once we get this going again, we'll be able to add more slots um, to Adabox. The problem is once you have a part shortage, even when the part shortage kind of goes away, it's still really hard to get things for like 5,000 plus you know, units. I mean, the whole thing- It's still, it's every, still every not- thing is like, yeah. the entire electronics industry is like clearly like, clonking around a bit but we're yeah. you know we're able to get some parts we've done a lot of redesigns we're being able to keep everything else in stock um we're doing really good on on getting the things that have been out of stock for the last couple of years right. back at adafruit and then a request uh super small hdmi displays for vr into the shop oh look yeah. around we'll see if there's a source or if there's something that's yeah well it's around okay all right everybody that is our show for the night thank you so much everyone don't forget the code is side power special thanks to zay and our adafruit select that's helping out behind the scenes as okay. well this has been an adafruit production we'll see everybody next week thank you so much for spending your wednesday night with us or wherever you may be watching this whatever network out there good night here's a moment of zener